All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. I hate to break the fishing news after Ramchuk, but I'd like to speak about the ice hockey. Congratulations, you're one of the 13 listeners of the Real Life Podcast. We just traded a migraine in for, like, an orgasm. Might want to mark that down. Yep. All of my projects are on schedule until they're not. A member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. About as funny as we're going to get today. Welcome in episode 193 of the Real Life Podcast, our first episode in July. It's July 2nd. We got an exciting guest coming up today. Before I get to all that and bring in the boys, I should let you know, as always, our podcast sponsored by the fine folks at Japa Machinery. Their fleet is ready for rental season. If you're looking for daily, weekly, monthly earth moving equipment rentals, Japa has you covered. Japa's fleet Includes excavators, wheel loaders, compaction, and asphalt equipment. All machines are newer, cleaned, maintained, and supported by Japa's top-notch service. They are local. We love them. They are proud to be not only Canadian, but Albertan. Speaking of being Canadian, it was Canada Day yesterday, and I bring in Jay and Bagged Milk. Uh, Jay, what did you get up to on Canada Day? Anything special? Well, the forecast kind of led me to have yesterday be a working day, so I was working. And then I saw the skies part at about 3 p.m. And I got a text saying, do I want to golf? So I dropped everything I was doing. And I hey, rocked out for, for a 4.15 tee time and uh, went golfing. Who just joined the call right now? That's a Wanye drop-in. Oh, yeah, Wanye drop-in. We're already recording. We're already rolling, Wanye. Uh, I what knew did... we were, son. I knew we were. <laughs> Uh, I, I'm a, as you guys know, I'm a big fan of the random drop-in from members of this podcast. Wanye, what are you up to? Well, I'm on a podcast right now. What are you doing? <laughs> same thing. Yeah, same I thing. See. Go on. Carry on. 
Uh, before we get into Hub City discussion and all that good stuff, should let everyone know that we're going to be joined in <laughs> about 20 minutes by Chris Seger. He's from the local Edmonton band Striker, and uh, they're coming. They're fresh off a Juno win. We're going to chat to him a little bit about uh, you know the band, what they're doing right now. They got a album they released in 2020, Alive in the Studio. I believe that was their sixth studio album as well. He's also a big Oilers fan, as you probably would have guessed. He rocks Nation Gear in the band's videos, all the good stuff. We'll talk to him about uh, music, life, hockey, that kind of stuff. Um, But until then, some big news from the NHL. Edmonton officially selected as a hub city. And Wanye, since you just joined the pod, I'll come to you first on this one. Uh, What's your take on Edmonton getting NHL hockey? Welly, welly, welly. Nobody wanted to come to smelly old Edmonton to play hockey during pandemic and look at the last lady at the desk. It's us. Ha! It it's really sweet revenge. It really it's does revenge. feel a little bit like win by default, though, doesn't it? Well, default in that we have the lowest COVID rates of any NHL market. Yeah, but it just feels like they wanted so hard to go everywhere but Edmonton. Then at the end, Edmonton was still standing there. Kind of like you said, last girl of the dance being like, well, well are maybe you really we not? To, maybe we need to realize what an amazing city we live in. Maybe we need to thank our lucky stars we don't live in New York or Las Vegas for once. And be like, hey, look, not only do we have Connor McDavid, the entire Western Conference is playing here. Now, granted, we can't go see them, but we know they're here. Well, and also, the thing that always was interesting to me was was this ever about the safety of the players or where they wanted to be? Because Edmonton was always going to be the clear runaway winner of safety for the players. So it didn't make sense to me any of the other shenanigans until all of a sudden Vegas is just like, oh, yeah, we basically got the same amount of cases of all of Canada in one day, so we should probably bow out. <laughs> I, I, yeah. I think it's a hindsight thing. They're like, yes, of course we did this in the name of safety, but they were really trying to push Vegas as far as they could to the end zone until they realized that it's a ticking time bomb down there. Yeah, I think that's right, too. And and you know what? Credit to the NHL because last podcast, I kind of ripped them for exactly what you just said, not prioritizing safety. It seemed like they cared about money, the TV networks, trying to make the players happy for whatever reason. And whether they meant to do this intentionally or not, they waited until the 11th hour, a clear final two, in my opinion, because I don't think there's anywhere really better to go than Edmonton and Toronto from a perspective of two different time zones. The big media hub in Toronto will make life easy for Sportsnet and the low COVID cases in in, in both cities as well. I know Toronto's a little bit higher, but compared to Nevada or Florida or anywhere else like that, um, they're, they're doing all right. So it's exciting. I, the one thing I have with this, and it's switching gears a bit, but I keep seeing people, and there was a piece in the Edmonton Journal today being like, oh, Oilers fans in Edmonton, need to rally around this. But my question to you guys is how? Like cuz we don't want <laughs> we don't want like crowds outside of Terwilliger Rec Center screaming at Nathan McKinnon and Connor McDavid. We don't want people like breaking into the golf course to go like get autographs from these guys. So is there really anything for Edmonton to do now from like from the common folk, from a fan on the street like us? Like is there anything we can do to quote unquote rally around this? Tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to go into my kitchen and turn my light on and off a whole bunch of times and turn my sink on and off. And that's how I, I'm going to set. That's how I'm rallying. I've like been that. yelling out my window at everybody that walks by. Yeah. That's what I'm doing. Yeah. Because I don't leave my house, you rem check. Neither do I, man. But I leave my house. So I'll be at a friend's patio or I'll be at a bar patio 
uh, and I hope at a social distance table, supporting local wherever I can, whether it be a local liquor store or ordering oodle noodle on skip the dishes or crushing nation beer at the pint. I will be trying to find ways to support. So is that kind of everyone's play here for when they come back? Is it going to be going to bars and watching it with people? Or are you still at the point of like, Jay, I, I know you just said yours, but bagged milk and Wanye. Are you guys going to be hitting up bars and getting after it here when, when things eventually resume in Edmonton? Or is it going to be sitting on your own couch with Nation Beer you bought at a liquor store? Bagged milk, you first. I mean, it, it, to me, like, it really depends. It's I'm a we'll cross that bridge when we get there mm-hmm. kind of person. I've said on this podcast before that I wasn't planning on going anywhere until the at least the end of June. And now we're into July. And do I plan on going anywhere? Not really. But if we can do so safely, if we can go to if we can go to a patio somewhere and sit there together at a, you know, at a safe distance or whatever, then I'm open to that. But I could also see a situation where me and Frank are cuddled up with a thousand empty nation beer cans amongst us, mostly by me because he's not old enough to drink. And I do it at my house. We'll see. I have no idea. But it's all, it's, everyone's going to have their own definition and version yeah. of it, right? It could be, you know, you'll, you go to, you know, your neighbor's patio and watch it outside and order takeout and, you know, crush beers and, and do that. Like, it's, the support's going to look different, but, people, uh, but there's going to be, like, we're all like, this is playoffs, baby. So it's in our DNA to do something. And everyone's just going to have a different iteration of what that is. So from a from an OilersNation.com perspective, what's the plan here to get this city and get the fan base ready for the playoffs? Are we pumping out car flags again right away? Are we getting new nation beer designs? What's uh what do we kind of have going? Well, we ordered car flags in January for the start of the <laughs> April playoffs, so we're ready for that. Um, so yeah, we're uh, we'll be going in full playoff mode. We'll be getting our orange going. Uh, we got some t-shirts, some flags. We do have a playoff uh, can design in the works. So we'll have that all themed up and ready to go. And, you know, maybe, you know, case count and uh, Hinshaw permitting might do a, you know, small group event. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll do whatever we can to bring the community together uh, based with the, the rules of, the, of, the, of, of that time. Or we'll just all yell at each other on social media, and that's fine too. But we will be doing something. It is, it is, it is on us. It is the onus of the nation uh, and being uh, and of nation citizens to to interact with one each uh, with one another during such a peak time in our lives, which is playoffs. Yeah, like uh, there's when I see Edmonton's going to be the hub, and again we've talked about this before. I start getting excited again because I'm like, "Hey, we are now like a month away from this shit getting going, and it's getting close." And I'm excited to watch playoff hockey and all that stuff. But is there like for you guys, is it excitement at 100 right now, or are you still maybe being cautiously optimistic? Like for you, Wanya, like do you are you stoked to watch the Oilers in the playoffs, or are you still like mm, this might fall apart really quick and be a little awkward? Well, here's what I think. What would it be like if the entire Western Conference came to Edmonton during the flu pandemic for playoffs? Okay. They're basically running games around the clock at Rogers. Right. But you're not allowed to go. Are the Oilers in the playoffs? Yeah. In fact, they're probably going to do really well. What would be more Oilers than winning on home ice in front of no fans? (laughs) 
some motherfucker is going to be skating around raising the Stanley Cup to an empty building. This is going to be yeah. the strangest thing ever. And I could see it being in Edmonton. And Connor being like 1.2 kilometers from Wanye Manor, skating around on the ice, and I can't go. And then we're going to be faced with the hardest decision of our lives. Sophie's choice. Do you go to the Edmonton Oilers Stanley Cup parade, which will immediately be declared illegal? Because that, to me, would be the hardest parade not to attend in a pandemic, would be the Oilers 2020 Cup parade after they just whooped the entire league in Edmonton and you couldn't go to the game. I swear to God, I would try and pitch the Oilers on letting me quarantine inside the arena, and I will legitimately live there for three months in an RV I'd bring in. So, and just be like, I'll be the only fan. I'll go to every game. So the NHL sent out a memo to its off-ice officials, you know, because there's a large staff. You know, you have penalty box attendants, obviously, but then you need your concussion spotters, you need your statisticians, all that stuff. And they sent a note out to the ones that work in Edmonton um, and basically said, if you guys want to do this, you have to live in the bubble. Um, so that's going to be something really interesting as well. Like, there are going to be fragments of people in there keeping stats, doing all that shit. The question Could I, I have... attend on behalf of Section 203 and just go by myself to every single game and sit in the middle of the section and cheer and swear with a mic on me? That'd be valuable content. Well, what's going to be interesting to me, I wonder if they're going to open up press row. Like, because you there is, like, an entrance you can get to there. Like, you could make it so that the press box could have reporters and whatever, the broadcast teams, and they would never have to go anywhere but basically from the street to an elevator and then straight up. So... I wonder what's going to happen uh, with things like that as well, because I'm not going to You got to think they would, right? Because they're going to need to have maybe not like microphones where you're doing press conferences. Those might be stationary. But yeah. you'd think they'd want to have as many media as they could. And for the exact reasons you said, if you're in the media box and all the players are on the ice, there's so much cubic feet of space inside Rogers' place. Yeah. It wouldn't pose much risk as long as you can get in and out safely. Yeah, I even I even think about like the drink rail around the lower bowl and like if they wanted to let media in there, you just do hey one or two media members and then six feet of space, one or two six feet of space, and like, that kind of thing all the way around. The, wouldn't you think that the sports media of hockey is going to divide itself and come to Edmonton and Toronto and live in the bubble too? Like that's what I would think is going to happen. Uh, I, I bet there's like 400 media people at the games, no? Uh, no, I, I think it'll be, if it's in Edmonton, it'll be a large handful of the local guys that do it and maybe a small fragment of traveling media because I think all the post-game press conferences are going to be done on Zoom. I think there's going to be a lot of guys who really don't want to leave <laughs> their families in the middle of a pandemic when they could just watch the games on TV and do, do their True. reporting there. But I wonder if they'll So the be, others are going to win the cup, eh? Like, this is so bizarre that all yeah. these losers are going to point to us forever and be like, oh, yeah, you might have won the cup, but it was the year where no one got to go, and blah, blah, blah. Well, that's what this I was... This is going to fucking happen. I can feel the weirdness tilting in our favor. Like, I know. It's, it's, it's weird. It's it's like magic pixie dust of weirdness. But you know I, I Coombs bullshit? Yeah, Coombs bullshit scenarios always of, like, if you could have <laughs> Kobe Bryant, but Vince Carter never existed or whatever bullshit it is. Would you want the Oilers to win the cup on home ice because they can't go on the road but you're not yes. allowed to watch any of the cup run in person yes absolutely you need, you need multiple cup wins to be a dynasty so yes. it's okay to get one to get the covid cup yes. uh and then the covid and then cup because you're build you're building your body of work so it's we should okay. make masks let's say the covid cup 2020 and give them away and not make a penny <laughs> off of it because that's ghoulish i'll tell you one thing 
I saw today the Edmonton Oilers tweeted out a video of Ryan Nugent Hopkins back on the ice at Rogers Place, and I got real excited. I don't care if there's no fans there. I don't care if everybody says that there needs to be an asterisk side discount. I don't care. If Connor's parading around the ice with an empty building, but him and the boys get to drink out of that baby and they get to celebrate, that's all that matters to me. Could you quarantine into the arena and live in an RV for 90 days? Yeah. Oh, easy. Absolutely. 100%. I think I could too. I actually don't even think that would be that much of an impact on my life as long as I had a couch. I don't think yeah, it would be much Wi-Fi different. Is good. <laughs> yeah, I don't think it would be much different from the way I'm living now. So whatever. Like, let's let's do it. I'm, I'm down to living in an RV. We could race ghost carts around the concourse. Absolutely. We should tell the Oilers we want one section for the entire thing and we'll give them a giant chunk of money, but we're allowed to blog. Yeah, yeah. There, I also love that we're talking about the media and them not allowed in the building. A bunch of them won't be allowed in the building. And I'm like, ha ha, you're all bloggers now, suckers. Yeah, ha, you're an idiot. All we had to do was seal ourselves in here because we don't have family. <laughs> the Apart from me, like watching it on TV, there's obviously going to have to be like security guards and stuff. So will the camera be like panning across the ice? Then you'll randomly see like one person wearing a red Rogers place security jacket, like standing in section 101. Like, what if that guy cheers when the Oilers score? Is there a way to build in some sort of home ice advantage that way? I would legitimately oh. CGI in fans. <laughs> like in a video game. Like go to EA Sports and be like, yeah. the fans of the video game, I want them on my live shot. You know they make that big ketchup bottle appear behind the net? Yeah. Mm. We need fans like that. Did you I hear- would pay $100 to have Cardboard J sitting in the stand. So if Connor <laughs> hosts the cup, Cardboard J was there to witness it. Okay, what about this? Hold on, hold on. What about this? We set up like monster, like remote control cars with like a fucking GoPro on top. And you're allowed to drive your like avatar into Roger's place, go up to your seat and sit in your chair as like a fucking drone or something. And you're allowed to be in the building, but just as an avatar. That's what I'm talking about, man. Like all these, all these soccer teams over in Europe, they're letting cardboard fans sit, fill up the seats. Let's do that here. Maybe like we can put them on some kind of like, home alone style train track type thing where there's a little bit of movement got them bouncing up and down a little bit of robots you know what i mean let's get them in there uh let's do something weird i'd pay 100 bucks for bag milk that they're just a giant bag of milk sitting in a, <laughs> in a, in a chair absolutely your avatar mm-hmm. um did you guys hear what the baltimore orioles are doing no okay uh they're uh they're doing the cardboard cutout thing <laughs> oh you I guys just... are big baltimore orioles fans oh you know like Cal ripson's <laughs> legacy oh my god uh, so they're doing the cardboard cutout thing, but they also have a package where you can pay for your cardboard cutout, and if your cutout gets hit by a foul ball or a home run, they will send you the ball. Hold oh, on, hold on. Genius. They're actually doing cardboard cutout fans? Yeah. And this if you get hit by a ball, you time. get it. So maybe we can do that That's in hockey, too. Like a player's great. helmet flies over the boards and hits your cutout, and it's just like, hey, we're sending you the helmet. I still want to know what they're going to do in terms of the players on the ice because the NBA said they're going to put the games on tape delay to stop naughty language from coming through on the old TV. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I wonder what the NHL is going to do. Yeah, they'd have to do the same thing because we got to, you don't want the, you know, the gamesmanship of trash talking is part of sports. And what if they played music? The- what if they just played music like the NBA does or what the, whatever yeah. league it is? Play yeah. music during play. I'd like to hear DaBaby on CBC. Dope. I, I still... You're M-Truck? You're the purist? No. Nah. Every single part of the game is ruined. Can we play music while we're playing? No, I, I don't think you can do music. I think the answer is... That's where is... he draws the line, guys. That's where we draw the line. <laughs> Purity of the game. 
I think that do it the way some soccer leagues have done, where, like you said, they partnered with FIFA and EA Sports, and they just pump in crowd noise, and they use that technology to get the crowd going. And when there's a scoring chance, the crowd will get a little bit louder. When there's a power play, the crowd will get a little bit louder and all that stuff. Like, I think you just need to do that. It'll drown out the swearing. The issue with running it on a tape delay is, one, you cannot have any media in there or the media that's in there. You have to have them sworn to, like, if we're running a 20-second tape delay, no tweeting during the game. Because you can be, like, huge bucket by LeBron or, like, massive goal by McDavid. I can't believe it. And me sitting at home on Twitter is like, what the fuck? They haven't dropped the puck from this face off yet. What do, what do you mean? What's going LeBron on? LeBron is scoring. Well, oh, interleague, that's what we should do. Bring in LeBron Ted. Yes. Yes. He's do you a think, dominant player, I bet. Do you think all of the Western Conference will permanently play in Edmonton forever? What? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. What if it goes so well? Here's what you do. You hire all the out-of-work Cirque du Soleil acrobats to swing from the rafters of Rogers and mm-hmm. each stand. So there's just a shitload of people swinging back and forth like a Coco Bongo Jay. Or the Edmonton Oilers buy 18,000 headsets that they give away to fans. And from our houses, as a collective, we're all able to cheer and scream. And since everybody will be talking at the same time, it'll just sound like the dull roar of a crowd. I will run a delivery app, which allows you to pee in a bag, and I will dump it in the bathrooms at intermission. See? Now we're using our heads to avoid $5 a trip. Can you imagine if they did that headset thing, but it was, like, horribly delayed? Like... Six seconds off, so a player scores, and then it's just like silent, silent, silent. Then as they start skating back to the bench, it's like, oh! Don't you think as a player, it'd be less creepy to have music than dead silence in the arena? Uh, I would think so. I would think so. No, I think they get they'd get so into the game if uh, you know it's playoff hockey. It's they wouldn't even hear the music. Yeah, I think well, they'd just be do. so into it, and it's just. I don't know, man. But Think no. about somebody raising a cup to an empty building and, like, one guy up in the rafters being like, yeah. You just got DJ Tycho up in his normal booth just being like, make some noise, <laughs> and there's just nothing going on. I love that. Let's do it. <sighs> I, will pay, I will pay any amount of money to quarantine in. Yes. I would also love to spend Jay and Wanya's money. Let's go. Yeah, I don't think that's This has to be one person per section. How many sections are there in the arena? Like, 45? Uh, sure. somewhere on there, yeah. 45 fan packs. 45 fans are allowed to watch the game. You're not allowed to leave your section the entire game. I'd do it. And mm-hmm. you can only eat Roger's Place concession. So it's like Bobby Nick's Burgers, yeah. the weird sushi you can get at that one stand, and beer. And that's all you can and have. And there's nobody to clean your seat. So by the end of the run, over in my section, there's just like 1,400 empty beer containers. And I've yeah. got like a bathrobe on, and I haven't left the arena in weeks. And I've watched like 75 playoff games. It would kind of remind me in a way. So in the 2017 run, I was lucky enough to be in a box. And in a box, you got to sit there. What like um, The server came in. She said, just so you guys know, you guys can hang out in here for two hours after the game is over. So my brother-in-law and I hung out in the box drinking beers probably another 90 minutes. And it was weird to be in there when there's absolutely no one else in there. So I love the idea of Wanye sitting in section two, whatever, Ooh. with just dozens of empty cups surrounding him and his uh, Jordan Everlay, you know, nightgown or whatever. And we'll have, rigged, we'll have rigged up some sort of single bed cot that like rests on top of the chair back so you can sleep in your section, right? Yep. And you have like a little privacy tent and you got bathrooms, so that's not a problem. Yeah. 
And they're like, good night, 206. And then Jay or 166. are like, see you later, man. All right. See you hey, now for hey. 14 games tomorrow. Even with just 45 people in the building, they'll still be lined up in the bathroom, Dave. No. Oh. <laughs> the 50-50 tonight is $8 again. Fuck, I win again? That. Now, that's one thing. They're going to need to move the 50-50 online, I think. I think yeah, that's a priority. Everyone's going to play 50. Well, you make a shitload of money for charity. Charities guess, need yeah. money. There needs to be many, many, many priorities, but one of them we should think about 50 50 online. There are companies well, that do it, it. And it already exists. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be so easy. There's teams that I bet actually that was do the, that. I, I bet that was the tipping point for Edmonton as a hub city. It wasn't our COVID numbers. No, no. It was Edmonton's passion for the 50 50. Hell yeah. It They're actually like, is one of those so things. We are so low. That'll single-handedly drive up the salary cap. It honestly like, would get to that point. It's so weird how Western Canada, or I should, not Western Canada, the Prairie Provinces go fucking bananas for 50-50. You'll go to, you can go to a Leafs game on a Saturday night. It's like 30000 When I was in L.A., I went to a Kings game on a Friday night, and the 50-50 was whatever, like $8,000. And you come here, it's a Tuesday against Arizona. You look at the screen, and you're like, how is this at $75,000? It's absolutely insane it's 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 our thing man yeah the 50 50s are part of our culture they call to us uh it's time to bring in our guest for the week so we're gonna stop down for a brief second here for those listening at home you can enjoy a a quick little sample of the musical stylings of striker we'll be back in a couple of seconds with chris seger from the band All right, back on the Real Life Podcast, we got another musical guest this week. It's kind of becoming our thing now. Brett Kissel last week, and this week is Chris Seger. He's from an Edmonton band, Striker. And Chris, the first thing I want to get to with all this, you're fresh off a Juno win. How'd it feel? Oh, man, it felt awesome. I'm, I'm just kind of overwhelmed with uh, gratitude and and still hung over from the celebration. <laughs> in, in the times of COVID, what were you guys like doing when you, because it was a pre-recorded show. So like, how did that kind of work from your guys' perspective? What did you do to kind of, for the lead up and to celebrate and all that? Well, it kind of came, it came up pretty quick. Like they were supposed to be in Saskatoon this year. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we all had our, uh, you know, families and everyone kind of getting excited to come down. And then it was just a couple of weeks ago that they uh, announced what they were going to be doing. So there, there wasn't that much lead up. It was just kind of, you know, how, how are we going to get together in this? Are we allowed to get together for this? And uh, so we just kind of got together for a barbecue, watched uh, watched it on TV, and, and that was that. And then obviously, cool. like you said, a big celebration afterwards. <laughs> yes, yeah, most most of that was last night. <laughs> so what did you guys get to do to celebrate? Were you all together, or did you have to do it via like a Zoom call or something? No, we, we got together. Like we're uh, we're a pretty tight knit group. A couple of us work together, and we we sort of see each other uh, on a regular basis. So I mean, we we kept it safe. We weren't you know sharing chip bowls or or whatever. But uh, we we did get together and uh, and do a little celebrating. So the people at Price Waterhouse Coopers didn't text you like twenty minutes before the ceremony. Like get ready for your speech, wink. No, we uh, we we weren't pre informed about winning. So we've did got, you make a speech? Uh, did you get to say anything? We've got a few days actually. They want it. Uh, oh, I'm the fifth or the sixth, so we'll, we haven't done it yet. But oh, I see. Who in the band is in charge of writing the speech? 
I think we'll give it to Dan, our singer. It's yeah. sort of a singer thing to do. Yeah. <laughs> That's <sense>. so singer. <laughs> uh, you, you guys got an album out in 2020, Alive in the Studio. Uh, take us or, or take us through that album a little bit. What makes it, you know, maybe unique to the other albums you guys have released? Uh, well, I mean, it was really good for us because we had this idea. Like, we had a bunch of tours planned for this year. We were going to be doing festivals right now in Europe, mm-hmm. and we had uh, another oh, tour that we had uh, to cancel before we announced it. And uh, to promote that, we went into a studio um, here in Edmonton and basically recorded, uh, I think we did 12 songs off of our last three albums. And it was just supposed to be uh, like promo for the tour to push it, but it ended up with COVID and everything. Uh, like the greatest thing to kind of have in your pocket to be able to release you know, these tracks kind of week by week. Uh, after that, so it worked out really good. That sucks you're not able to go to Europe touring. Do you like life on the road, or does it kind of look the same after a while? Uh, both. I, I like it, and it starts to look the same. I find the more the more places you go, the more similar everything is. Like, in the end, the people... I mean, we've, we've toured mostly in just, like, the, the Western world, I guess. We've been through... We've played in most of the States. We've played all over Europe and in, in different uh, places. And, like, the, the scenery changes, and you see really cool stuff. But uh, the more you do it, the more it's the same... But in a good way. If that we all sense. drink Sprite, right? That's right. <laughs> Everybody loves Sprite. Where were you? What festivals were you going to be playing this summer? Uh, we were supposed to be playing. Uh, well, actually, there's a couple that didn't get announced yet that I don't think I'm supposed to announce yet because they haven't re-announced them for next year. But uh, there was one called uh, Summer Breeze Festival, which would have been one of the uh, bigger ones in Germany. I think it's about a forty thousand. Germany. Uh, I want to say it's near Stuttgart. Sick. Yeah. Can't do that. Twenty thousand people now. Imagine that. They freak out. <laughs> no kidding. Yeah, I don't know what that's going to be. Yeah, when that reopens, what that's going to look like. Do you know off the top of your head how many countries you played in? Uh, I think I read. It's funny. I read <laughs> in a CBC article today that it's been twenty-one. Twenty-one. Is there one? Like I know you guys are talking on your Facebook page. You're going back to Spain. Uh, is there one that kind of stands out that you that's you sort of really look forward to when you're going through the tour? Yeah. Uh, go to food for the first time is always because you're, you're kind of experiencing it for the first time so i've got these different memories from you know different uh different tours and stuff but i would say germany is always a highlight uh just the people there are nuts the crowds always seem to be a little bit bigger uh and the states the we didn't start touring in the states until uh quite a bit later than uh we started doing all of our european tours and going to the states is awesome just seeing uh Seeing all the places down there for the first time is great. That would be my Whoa. Oh, whoa. Well, hell, we're all excited here, boys. Everybody get a question. Everyone get a line. Let's go. Yeah. Go ahead, Bagnell. That was going to be my question is, is there a major difference between a metal fan from, say, Canada and the U.S. and then when you go over to Germany? Are we all kind of still in the pit? We all doing the circles. We all mosh in and we all get crowd surfing. Is it kind of the same or is there a difference? No, it's pretty similar, I guess. Well, it's similar and it's different. Cause I mean, even like the States is so big that you'll have a totally different kind of crowd in like Austin, Texas than you had in Dallas or like, so, I mean, there's, there's kind of differences city to city, but I would say in general, it's, it's pretty similar. Like there's a few more, uh, you know, guys wearing jean vests with patches on them in, in Germany than maybe there are in the States and stuff. But it's, uh, I don't know. The world's pretty small. I think the internet kind of shrunk everyone into being really similar. Well, I, you, I I don't know if you've been to Scandinavia yet, but those cats love metal. 
but they all are prim and proper, like well-dressed individuals that'll then just put their earphones in and blast metal. So for me, it's such a weird, interesting dynamic to see that, that metal's got such a huge, such a huge part of their culture. Yeah, that's no, that's true for sure. We, uh, we have played over there a bit. We recorded one of our albums in, uh, Sweden in 2013 or 2014 and spent a month there too. Oh, rad. Sick. Uh, one of the things we like to do when we have, you know, whether it's athletes, music, musicians, we've got an actor on as well. We like to talk about it. It's about the come up, right? And kind of how you got to be where you are now. So when you were growing up, like when did music start to become like a major point in your life? What was kind of your introduction into that? Uh, you know what? It was pretty early. Like I, I'm come from a family of musicians. Both my parents have their doctorate degrees in music oh, wow. and teach are just wow. retired, but you know, spent their careers teaching universities and touring all over the world. Uh, my brother's a jazz drummer, you know, got his master's at U of T, he's getting his PhD at U of A right now. My wife's a violinist, has her master's, plays in the Saskatoon Symphony Orchestra. What on earth? Do they genre shame you ever? Are you like, <laughs> I now have a Juno, motherfucker. It's time to get some respect around this house of classically trained musicians. That's right, yeah. No, I, I joke about it all the time. I'm the least educated in the uh, music <laughs> world, that's for sure, but... And can they get down with the scene? Are they like, oh, yes, that's what he does. The band's very lovely. Like, how are your parents? Oh, they they love it. They're so supportive. They um, and, and, like, growing up took me to, you know, all these different things. Like, in, in grade 10, I was a huge uh, Iron Maiden fan and thought, you know, they'd never come to Edmonton. I'll never be able to see Iron Maiden. And uh, it was on their Dance of Death tour in whatever year that would have been, 2003. And my uh, dad bought us tickets to go and see him in New York. We flew out and had, you know, they took me to shows. My mom did the same for some concerts once before, and they were they're unbelievably supportive. I so respect that, that, that they didn't, like, Serena and Venus Williams dad you into becoming a different type of musician. <laughs> no, they, uh, I mean, they, they had me playing piano as a kid, and then uh, they let me quit when I hated it, which, of course, now I regret, like everyone says you will, but. Why? They, You're uh, a Juno-winning musician. What do you mean? <laughs> What do you mean and, you and guitar, man. You can wail on the guitar. Yeah, oh, thank you very much. <laughs> was it, well, that's what I was going to ask. So you played a little bit of piano. In that environment, did you dabble in a bunch of different instruments, or was it always the guitar for you? Uh, it was It was pretty much just the guitar. Yeah, like I, uh, well, I guess that's not true. I mean, you know, junior high band and that kind of stuff. I was yeah. playing the trombone and the tuba and some other stuff. I didn't keep up, but I did, did play a few things over the, and bass guitar I played in some bands growing up. So I guess, I lied. I played lots of instruments growing up. <laughs> so looking back, like, is there is there a guitarist um, that you looked at when you were a kid? You were like, I want to play like him. <laughs> yeah, more. Well, yeah, I, there's there's a couple. I would say Adrian Smith from Iron Maiden was always uh, one of my biggest influences. I don't know if you guys are like big metal fans or if you knew, uh, you know, any of that stuff growing up. But there's this intro to uh, the Rock and Rio DVD that they did in 2000 that he kind of steps out on the stage and just goes into this power stance that was just ingrained in my you know, mind my whole life ever since I saw it. That's what I wanted to do. Hold up, one second. Who sec. the hell? Jay. Who's dinging? Jay. Okay, fuck. Every we time. Every time, Jay. We're in the middle Jay. of a podcast. Mute your phone. There's a, a mute guest. button on the bottom bar, Jay. He just Effects wanted you to mute. mute. Oh, man. Oh, man. And now okay, there's an echo. the opportunity to mute mine. <laughs> yeah, now it's echoing, and that's all weird. I apologize on behalf of everybody. We virtually embarrassed ourselves. Uh, anyways, you were talking about Iron Man, Adrian Smith as well, and he comes out in that power stance. So for a kid like that, like that must have just been like hard eyes emoji, like, damn, I want to do that one day. Yeah, 
Oh yeah, totally. That that was uh, if I could narrow it down to a moment, it was watching that for the first time yeah. and just kind of seeing it come out and then wanting to do that. As a group, as a band, are do you guys like? Is there any of those past groups that you guys kind of feel an influence from, or that you kind of? I don't know. I don't know if style yourselves after is the right term, but are there some groups that maybe you think you you maybe resemble from the past, like some historic groups? Yeah, I mean, it, I guess it depends how like you know how deep you want to dive into it. I would say to the most like to most people, they would see us in that sort of Iron Maiden or Judas Priest kind of uh, world. Uh, our singer who writes the majority of the music is uh, like his influences are are all over the place. He loves. Uh, you know, all kinds of like, uh, you know, 80s speed metal bands that most people have never heard of to, uh, he's a big like hardcore music fan, even listens to a bunch of rap and like all those, there's lots of different uh, influences that kind of sneak their way in. But I'd say most people kind of compare us to like an Iron Maiden, that kind of sound. And the thing about metal too, is it's like, it's always a lifelong passion, right? For people, it's not like you're into metal, maybe when you're a kid and then you grow kind of out of it. Metal is one of those things where it's just, that's what you do. That's who you are. Last time I went to a concert, I got to see uh, I got to see Iron Maiden when they were here a little while ago, and just looking around the crowd, it's so diverse, right? It is totally, yeah. Is that like one of the coolest parts about it? As you you guys have your stars kind of shot up, that you see just different ages and different groups of people at your shows. Yeah, totally. It's it's actually it's it's interesting. Like we'll have you know, people who are in their mid sixties coming to shows and we'll have kids who are, you know, under 18 standing outside the door cause they want to meet us, but they can't watch the show and the, you know, and everything in between. It's, it's a huge uh, variety of just different, different ages, different, different people. It's really cool. Speaking of your live shows. I mean, I was talking to a guy at my work today when I said I was going to be interviewing you. And the first thing he said, he's like, man, have you seen them live? And no, unfortunately I haven't, but he was like, man, like those guys go fucking hard how important of an <laughs> emphasis is that for you guys to like make sure that your live shows are memorable for everyone there that's a huge focus for us we uh we rehearse a lot and we try to uh you know just we want to bring a lot of energy like if we, no matter where we play it's always a goal for us to get that room going whether it's uh you know we've we've played venues to 10 people over the years to you know packed sold out venues and we just gotta you know we want to bring the same energy to uh to every show we we sweat buckets when we're up there we, i watched some of your oh sorry you're on track i watched some of your your performances before getting ready and like honestly on top of being good musicians you're almost layering in like an athletic performance on top of playing <laughs> like a lot of bands some guys are just sort of sitting there tapping their toes and you guys like saying sweating buckets it looked like you're playing like a full-on professional sport yeah yeah we we do that it's, uh that's the goal i mean we also just want to have fun we want to do each other every night you know you, you want to uh push the other guys on stage, you know, do, do silly stuff, run around, you know, bump into each other a little bit. That's all part of the, uh, all part of just having fun. When you were playing down in Texas, did you ever play any smoking hot outdoor shows? And you're like, why do we do this? Why? Oh, a hundred percent. We did, uh, we had the stretch of shows last year in, uh, in July and it started in Las Vegas and then it was like 10 days through the whole, like, desert and uh i remember we pulled into el paso i don't know if anyone's ever been there but it's like you're basically just looking across the river into mexico into like juarez which used to be like the world's most dangerous city it's but it's the it's the coolest drive to to do and kind of see it but we we got to the venue and it was exactly that we we showed up and we're like oh man like you imagine if we had to play on that outdoor stage like i'm so glad it's going to be inside and then we went inside and it was just like 
you know, a cafe with no stage. And that was the stage outside. <laughs> oh, and uh, I think the it was 10 straight days where the high was at least 45. Oh. That sounds terrible. And you're like, we're, you're only allowed to wear black. You have to have long hair. <laughs> like, yeah. No. But I, I felt way worse for the openers because the sun was down for us. But some of the other bands yeah. that had to play before were just getting cooked. Uh, I want to I want to float this question to you. We asked it of Brett Kissel last week as well. But when you're on the stage, when you think of the energy you're trying to bring, and then you look at the Oilers roster, your on-stage performance, who do you think you most resemble on the Oilers? Oh man, probably Zach Cassian. Love it. Oh. On, on a on a part, you know, I've got the matching oh, yeah. haircut, <laughs> but. Uh, <laughs> I think just that that energy. Like I've had so many moments when uh, you know when he scores that goal and he's yelling at the fan through the glass from the playoffs. Yeah. And uh, isn't that a great uh, shot? Oh yeah, such an iconic moment. And I've I've had a few where I've caught myself or I've seen pictures where I you know I just start yelling basically trying to you know, get the energy going up and it'll be that same thing. You've got these guys right in front of you, arms up, screaming, and yeah, I'd say probably Cassian. Is he your favorite oh. oiler? <laughs> Oh, man, that's a tough call. I think my favorite oiler is Dreisaitl. Oh, yeah. interesting. So you don't go Connor just because you can't go Connor because everyone loves Bryce? Is that why? Yeah, probably. I mean, it's 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 too hard, man. They're, they're just both so good. I, I go with Dreisaitl because I've got the uh, German German descent in, uh, in my roots, so I, I, I pick him. We were talking earlier on before you came on about how, like, you're a hardcore Oilers fan, so you're among your friends here. And we all know that fucking stuff up is so Oilers, right? And the weirder it gets, it's so Oilers. Can, oh, yeah. you, can you imagine the entire Western Conference playdown in Rogers? We're not allowed to go to any games. The Oilers win the cup on home ice, and we're not allowed to go. And we're not allowed to go to the cup parade we've all been talking about for the last 15 years. The Oilers yeah. might win the cup this year. What do you think? Oh, man. It's, it's so crazy. Like, I think you just have to take the grateful that there's going to be hockey. And if we get that far, you know, I'm glad that's going to be something I have to worry about. <laughs> Not Can you imagine, though? To go out to the parade. Can right. you imagine Connor in an empty arena raising the cup to empty stands? The rest of us are like zombies outside wanting to clamor out into the streets. Oh, man. I... I I actually can't imagine that. I don't know what that's going to be like. I'm so excited for that, though, that, uh, that this looks like it's going to be a thing. So, so is we it were... safe to say that you're in the boat where you are just stoked for hockey to be back, or are you worried that maybe like the playoffs won't have the same buzz or excitement that they do in the past? Uh, I mean, a bit of both. I think I'm, I'm mostly just excited to see some hockey happen. I think, like everyone, I'm, I'm just confused at what's going on, too. Like I can't even picture what this is going to be like in the middle of August, like sitting in you know, my basement or actually I'm trying to figure out how I can get my TV on my deck, you know, and like, it's, it's going to be a totally bizarre thing, but you know, I'm, I'm excited to see it happening. Especially as Oilers fans, because we're not used to hockey after say April 10th, right? Oh, I, I don't know. know how to watch hockey in the warmth. It's so bizarre. <laughs> yeah, it is totally weird. Like the, the playoffs a few years ago, I got to go to one of the games and, uh, I remember leaving and it being sunny out and, you know, wearing shorts. It was just the most bizarre thing. Like in my adult life, that's the only playoffs we've had. So it's yeah. different. Um, just going back to like, uh, you know, being an Oilers fan and things like that, you mentioned, you know, your family was big into music when you were growing up. Were, were, were the Oilers and were sports a big part of your life growing up? Was it a big part of your family or is it something that maybe you just kind of developed an interest in on your own? 
it was it was me developing an interest on my own. I, I became an Oilers fan kind of later in my uh, in my teens. Like I think it was really the uh, during the lockout year that I kind of really became a big hockey fan. Like it's when I turned eighteen, so I could start going to bars to watch games with my friends. And I remember uh, going to the old brew house on one fifty six when it was still there because that's pretty close to where I lived. And uh, there was like a jersey place next door that had the Pronger jersey up, and you know, like that that sort of era. I remember is when I got into it, which of course was like the best and worst time to become an Oilers fan. Yeah, right before that big run, and then uh, you know the decade plus that followed. Oh, there's <laughs> never been a bad year to be an Oilers fan. We had a lot of great hockey. <laughs> oh yeah, no, it's it's. Oh. No one can question your loyalty if you started becoming a fan on, on the 06 run and then kept being a fan after that. For no kidding. Year. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's such an interesting time. I was I laughed too because I, I, you guys probably have the same thing. Like, do you ever get these Facebook, uh, you know, reminders and you see the stuff you were posting and it's like, I saw one the other day where I was posting about like, do you remember the Hope line? Yeah. Or whatever, like Hall, Hall Omark, uh, PRV and Eberle and then like, there's another one that popped up recently where I was talking about the, uh, I forget who was all there, but I think it was also like Omark and Schultz and, uh, <laughs> you know, and it was like, oh, this is going to be the number one power play for the next 10 years. And all these, all these you know, hilarious things that pop up and you just look back and you're like, oh man, like, yeah, I was up till 1am to find out if we were going to get Heatley or like all these crazy memories that pop up and you're just like, oh, yeah, right, right, that one. But it's going to make it so sweet when the Oilers win in 2020 and we can't go cheer for Connor. It'll be amazing. It'll be worth it, sort of-ish. Do you really think they're going to be able to stop people from pouring into the streets if that happens? There's I would no like way. to quarantine in and I'm planning on getting a costume that looks like an empty Rogers place seat and they're going to have to find me every game. <laughs> You're right, if they though, win, like, though, I might. If they win, I might consider just going full Daft Punk, getting myself a helmet, and just hitting the streets anyway. Do you know what I mean? Talking about we need oh, yeah. Daft Punk helmet. <laughs> yeah, I think I think you're right. I think you'll have a hard time stopping like the diehard Oilers fans from partying on White Ave. Like COVID, COVID be damned. Like some of these people yeah. will be like, I'll get a potentially deadly virus if it means I can celebrate the only Oilers Stanley Cup I've seen in my life. I'll yeah, order animal, the animal will come out of the cage. Yeah. yeah, I'll order a hazmat suit online, usually reserved for nuclear fallout, and I'll go party. I'll go into the arena. <laughs> Our, we can just agree to shut the whole city down for two weeks after, so everyone can just do it, yeah. and then we'll just shut down, have a quarantine. <laughs> I would do that. Yeah, no one interrupt. Well. I like it. Are, are other guys in the band big Oilers fans as well, or is it just kind of you? Uh, our singer Dan is an Oilers fan, yeah. too. The, the other guys aren't... Uh, they're, they're more fair weather fans, but uh, yeah, Dan, Dan and I watch a lot of games together. So are you guys able to keep up with the team when you're on the road or is it kind of just in passing you check out box scores and stuff like that? Yeah. I mean, I've always got like the score app and telling me whatever's going on, but it depends where you are. Like it's, mm-hmm. if you're in North America, you can try to keep track and, you know, watch as much as you can when you're in Europe. It's totally weird because it'll be four in the morning on a bus and then puck is dropping and it, it's too hard to try to watch you just kind of you know wake up glance over at the score and then that that's that <laughs> yeah no kidding uh but before we uh start to wrap things up here i'll pass it around quickly one more time if anyone has any other areas they want to touch on here with chris before i get to my last few questions bag milk jay sure. Wanye. Yeah, i do because i posted this on the site today um i know the video came out in april but born to lose 
I noticed a very familiar t-shirt that you were wearing, my friend. I want to know how you ended up in a real steel t-shirt in your own music video. Uh, sure. That, that was just me being a fan. Like I, I ordered that shirt, um, right around Christmas. We, we went and did this, uh, festival that's on a cruise ship called 70,000 tons of metal. It goes from Florida to Mexico and back. And it's just like 70 fans playing like Sick. almost 24 hours a day. And I was trying to get a, to find a new stage shirt. And then when that one, uh, I don't remember when you guys put that out, if it was right after the four goal game or if it was later or when it was, but I, I always kind of had my eye on it. And I was like, that would look really good on stage. So then I, uh, yeah, I just ordered it, bought it and ended up getting the nude shirt at the same time. And then that, uh, then it was too small. So I DM'd you guys got a hold of you. Uh, <laughs> how on brand. Yeah. Very on brand. Wrong size shirt. <laughs> okay, wait, you uh, said that you, was more me. Too right? cute and little. Yeah. You said you played a cruise ship that was all about metal music. It's a festival called Seventy Thousand Tons of Metal, and it's just the this huge uh, cruise ship that holds like six thousand people. And I think about you know two thousand of it is like crew and bands and uh, and all that. And then there's you know four thousand fans that basically fly out. I think there was ninety different countries that people had come from. Uh, which wow. is hilarious when you think about like the last thing I did before COVID was go on a cruise ship with people <laughs> from 90 different countries and all, all this stuff. Um, but yeah, and then they've got like five stages bands start at 10 in the morning. And uh, I think we finished off the first night and our set started at like five on the pool deck stage outside. The sun was coming up as we, uh, as we finished. It's just crazy. Even as what just a cool like a, memory. Is it even, yeah, I was going to say, even as a fan of like the genre and of the music, that must have just been like a wild experience. It was. It's, yeah, it's totally crazy. Like you, uh, you have no concept of time or anything going on just because there's constant bands going the whole time. It was, it was awesome. What, man, I just like, I can't help but think of what a weekend or week, what that looks like oh. where you're just doing metal <laughs> all day, every day getting in the pit, doing the circles, all that stuff. Is that happening on the cruise ship? Is it like a normal metal experience when you're on there? Or are people a little bit more reserved because you're also on a boat? No, it's, it's totally like that. Like I, uh, I mean, not for me because I also had to perform and I like, I do take that part seriously. So I had to, you know, try to actually get my rest and everything, but it, it was not like people would go crazy. I felt so bad for anyone who worked on that boat, like watching oh. the guy trying to uh, control the people in the hot tub. There's like hot tubs on the deck and people oh. can watch bands. And of course they're just, they've got, you know, pitchers of beer. There's way too many people. And there's actually the guy who has to be like, Hey, don't stand, you know, and they're, they're swearing at him. And I'm just like, oh, why is my like, 8:30 AM moth? <laughs> I feel so Every bad room's for, equipped guys, for the dialysis and IV <laughs> just to keep the good times going. Yeah, basically. Was it hard uh, to sleep at night? Like, was it like you could just keep hearing the music pounding twenty four hours a day? Yeah, you you could hear it pretty good. Well, that and it was uh, <laughs> it was pretty stormy on the way back. Like going to Mexico was was fine. I've never been on a boat, so I found out that I don't like boats on this trip. <laughs> but uh, like coming back, it, it was like you know for for me anyways, like pretty pretty big waves, and it was just like rocking back and forth, and coat hangers in the closet slamming into one side and then the other over and over. And they were and, still doing shows. Yeah, there was a couple, like, they, they kept lowering the, they'd have to, like, kick everyone off the deck and then, like, slightly bring down the, like, scaffolding and everything surrounding the stage to, like, a safer height. And then the, <laughs> I remember talking to one of the crew guys and the captain uh, would basically, like, go the wrong way and go into the wind so it'd be calmer during sets. And then as soon as the set was over, 
that's when he'd haul ass to make up time going the right direction, which is why I guess it was so bumpy is because he was trying to like keep it smooth <laughs> during the shows. And then they, and then they'd rip, you know, through the storm in between kind of thing. It was, it was crazy. When you're playing sets like that in inclement weather, does it fuck with your ability to play? Ah, uh, you know what? Once, once we started playing, you don't notice it. You kind of get into this zone where the, the world doesn't really exist around you. So I didn't notice it there. I noticed it up until the moment we played and as soon as we started tearing down. But once, once the show starts, you're, you're in a different mind frame. You mentioned getting into that zone before a show. Is there like, are you superstitious? Is there like a checklist of shit you go through before a show to like get yourself prepared? Yeah, there is a little bit. Like I, I, uh, I'm a bit of a perfectionist as far as just making sure like my, I never worry about, uh, like missing notes or I don't have stage fright or anything, but I always fear equipment failure. Mm. Um, just cause it happens to everybody. So, I mean, I've, I've got like my, my checklist of just making sure everything's working. I've got backup everything. I've got a million guitar picks on my app in my pockets, you know, all over cause I will drop it and, and all that kind of stuff. But, uh, otherwise, no, I mean, really we we'll do some stretching. Everyone starts, you know, doing push ups, jumping jacks, get the blood going. And then we, we run out there. So like a string snapping during a guitar solo is the absolute worst case scenario. No, that doesn't bother me because I've got, I'll always have backup guitars like within, you know, relatives arms reach. It's more like, you know, everything works in sound check and then you go to play the first note and there's no sound and you have to find out like, oh shit, where, where's this problem? You're checking your cords, your wireless, your amp, all this different stuff. And that, that, that's kind of the worst or the, uh, uh, sometimes like our drummer will have intros and things that go, uh, you know, we'll play like audio through whatever, like it's uh, whatever intro music we'd use. And sometimes we've got like little cues, like it'll count into a song in our ear monitors. And every now and then a sound guy will mess up and put something in there through the front of house. <laughs> <laughs> so like, you know, you'll be on stage and all of a sudden you're just like, one, two, three, four. And you're like, wait, that's <laughs> the main speaker. <laughs> Shit. You know, right as the song starts, you try to sort through this. Those are the kind of things you worry about, but not not so much like the broken string. Before, do you guys got? Do you guys have anything like super dope on your rider these days? Oh man, it, <laughs> it changes tour to tour. You kind of have to see like it's not nothing that's too nothing that's too crazy. Like we we put on uh, you know it, it's always just you know how many beers they're going to give us, and if we put on this type of liquor, do you think they'll actually get us that? Like that, that's kind of the the wildest that it gets. Now that you there, have a Juno, you can command Ciroc in 30 nations on Earth. I hope so. And yeah, where you go. I'd love to see just a giant life-size bowl of only blue and orange M&Ms. That's the only thing you guys are getting back there. I <laughs> yeah. love that. Got uh, somebody picking them out their other one. Speaking of beer, I believe you got a chance to try out our Nation Beer product. What'd you think? Delicious. Ooh. We got through it a little faster than we probably should have. <laughs> it's crushable. It is. Yeah, no, they're 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 great. I I've uh, tried it once before, but it was uh, extra sweet in the uh, celebration yesterday. Absolutely. Yeah. You drank Nation beer celebrating a Juno. We did. We're gonna win the cup in 2020. That's the good omen yeah. we needed. The, the stars are aligning. Got through know. the whole flats and then switched to margaritas, and then the next thing we were in a field seeing who can throw the farthest for a while, doing you know some good <laughs> uh, good old fashioned guy stuff. <laughs> <laughs> 
the last one here, like we're a podcast that, or the last one for me, I guess, I don't know if anyone else has any other closing remarks, but we're a podcast that loves to talk about Edmonton and how much, you know, how much this, or how great the city is for you guys. You know, you tour around Europe, around North America. How much does it mean to you when you get to play a show in Edmonton and kind of, you know, put, put something on for the city that you're from, your hometown? I, I love, I've always been a really kind of, uh, you know, patriotic Edmonton guy. I don't know if it's like, I think a part of it actually is Ryan Smith. I don't know if you guys had that same thing, but seeing how much he loved the city, like inspired me to want to be, you know, an Edmontonian who, who tells everyone how great Edmonton is. So I, it's always special to play here. Ryan Smith is why we started Oilers Nation originally. We were so mad he got traded. We made a protest website. And we basically That's right. I remember that. You do? I do. That's unbelievable. <laughs> we were so pissed, and we were like, "We have to do something." And I'm like, "We could start a website." I mean, 2008. That seemed to be the move, right? Pre-social media, and then we started writing every day. And I don't even know what we we're writing about, Jay. Like, bring back Ryan Smith, and then the next day, bring back Ryan Smith. Yeah, yeah. that's awesome. But yeah, I think uh, like there's that. That was a huge part of it. It's just uh, the passion that guy had for the city. I think uh, it was inspiring. Just they made you fall in love with Edmonton. So as a successful person who's seen the world, maybe just hit us with some why you love Edmonton story. Like, what do you love about it here? You could be uh, anywhere. Just, yeah, but I mean, there, there's something about the people. Like, it's it's just, it's a great place. It's it's beautiful. Like, you know, you, you go as, you go other places and it's exciting, but the more you go there, I find the more, the more you miss home. Like, Edmonton's just a special place. It's sort of, it's like in between, you know, small town and big city, like you go to New York, we're not like that. It's, you know, there's that sort of like small, you know, Saskatoon kind of like small town vibe, but for a city with a million people, I, I find you don't, uh, you don't get it everywhere. Like it's, it's, it's got a small community feel for a big city. Plus we know where all the good bottle depots are because it's home. Yeah. So that is, that's a good point. <laughs> you move away and take you a week to figure out where the best bottle depot is. That's why I don't leave. I can't do that research. Are you a Donair fan? Yeah, I mean, you know what? For the longest time, I don't think I ate a Donair sober till I was like 30. Respect. Um, yeah, that, that's the way it should be. <laughs> I got into them more in Europe. I don't know if you guys have been over there, and there's all these, they call them donor kebabs. Yeah. Uh, it's basically the same thing, and there's just like stands all over the place, and my singer, you know, eats them like crazy, so I started getting into them on the last few tours, and now I've, I've become a more of a Donair guy. That's one of the things that makes me love. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Jeff. What's your What's your shop in Edmonton? Ah, uh, you know what? I think more like I haven't eaten a ton of donairs here. Most of them have been at uh, have been at is it Queen Donair on Jasper? Yeah, that's where they've mostly been on. You know, the walk home from somewhere, yeah. and that's the part yeah. I remember. <laughs> it's a vacuum. It sucks you in at two in the morning. It, it just, does. You, you walk out and you don't even know where you you don't have a plan to go anywhere. And you just blink and you're in Queen. <laughs> yep. Uh, honestly, I think I think some Edmonton love and Donair talk is a good spot to end this off on. Uh, Chris, thanks for giving us some time. Congratulations on the Juno again. We look congrats, forward to buddy. Yeah, we yep, look forward congrats. to seeing what comes next from Stryker. Yeah, guys, thank you so much. It's uh, it's awesome to awesome to be here. Go Oilers. Go Oilers. Yeah. Thanks for putting Edmonton on the map. <laughs> thanks, man. See you guys. There you go. That's Chris Seger from the local band Stryker. Uh, that was cool. He's a cool guy. Oh, it's funny totally. listening to him talk. I would never guess how he talks and who he is would be the same. Yeah. I'm always scared of people in metal. I'm like, oh my God, they're going to bite me if I look at them wrong. 
Yeah, I no, was also a... just kind of like in the background. I was, I was, so I'm adding in some videos into the article for the podcast today, and I've got one playing in the back. And he just, the, I want, I had so many nerdy music questions that I wanted to ask, but I didn't want to fanboy too much. But like, Why? this guy, what? Like, man, this guy's fucking whales. To watch him play is ridiculous. You got a fanboy, buddy. What's the point of the podcast if you don't fanboy? Why it's called fanboy? Yeah, I told Brett Kissel last week I loved him. <laughs> Wanya, did you uh, did you catch any of our Kissel interview? Did you know he did the whole thing shirtless? Yeah, I did. I listened. It was really good. Not gonna lie, a little uh, little upset that Chris didn't do the whole interview shirtless as well. I thought maybe we turned right. that into a trend. I, I got a lot. Pop my tarp off. I got a bunch of people on social lipping me off because they're like, oh, did you not go on the podcast because it's Jordan Everly's real best friend and you're his fake best friend and you're a fucking loser. And I'm like, shut up, internet. And I'm going to listen to this podcast. And I listen. I'm like, yeah, Brett Kissel's probably a better choice for best friend than me. <laughs> well done. Jordan. Only one of you performed at his wedding. Well, between the two of us, me and Brett Kissel, there's like, we've got numerous albums. But I would also... <laughs> I would I would say there's an argument to be had who Jordan Everlay's mom likes more. Guaranteed she likes me more. I guarantee it. If you put they, me beside Brett Kissel and I reminded her who I was, because I'd have to, she would at least remember me. That's what we're talking about. As long as you believe that. Impact. I have a business card. Her I business saw the card, game. I, Wanye laid some serious game. Mrs. Everly's business card is tucked in like my forever thing that you have where you put all your memorabilia from life. It is in there with my Jordan Everly card. Fair enough. Um, okay, yeah, before fair we enough. Uh, before we wrap Great. up the pod, um, Jay, do we have an update from Oodle Noodle? Uh, we always have an update from Oodle Noodle. What's the charity? We dropped week? off. The, <laughs> uh, <laughs> we just uh, dropped off um, food to Hope Mission. So we dropped off 200 pounds of food uh, there today, which was great. And this week we are working with the Edmonton Down Syndrome Society. So yeah. Bag, Bag Milk put the yep. video up on Nation ON yesterday. So you can see what they're all about. We're helping them uh, restock their playroom. So when COVID hits for a lot of these charities, they have to throw out a, lo- a lot of their stuff for, for safety reasons. Mm-hmm. And they need help to kind of restock all that. So we're uh, the 10% of our in-store sales this week are going to help them buy toys for their playroom when they can open back up. So super cool. I was uh, looking at Instagram, Jay, and saw the video on Oodle Noodle Gram of you sitting in the tiny chair. Yeah. And I like couldn't figure out what the fuck was going on. I'm like, do they know the sound on? I'm like, who? why are they sitting in a small chair? I don't understand. <laughs> who are those guys? That was that was the Edmonton Down Syndrome Society, and uh, today. Oh, did something get posted today about me in a small chair? No, it was yesterday. Like. Oh, because the small chair gang uh, struck again today. We shot another video today with next week's charity partner, and uh, we sat in small chairs. So there's there, there's a theme going on. I was like, either Jay is 29 feet tall, or he's sitting in a comically undersized chair for some reason. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> Uh, again, before we go, need to give some love to the fine folks at Japa Machinery as well. Check them out, japamachinery.com, or give them a call. Love this, 780-962-5272. Uh, I, and again, another big shout-out to Chris Seger. He already texted me saying he had a great time and he enjoyed hopping on the pod. Chris, oh. we enjoyed having you on the pod, and we'd love to do it again. 
Uh, thanks, now, everyone. Before you wrap up here, Amtrak, I know uh, you have all your momentum, but don't think I didn't notice you said a swear word. You said shit to the guy from Striker. That was baldy. I also said I also dropped an f bomb. Yeah, we're making you into a non-radio well, man by the moment. Oh yeah, we're I, breaking him down. I had someone text into the radio show. I like I, it actually happens not like every day, but once in a while, people will text in and be like, "Oh, you're Amtrak. Love you on the." Oilers Nation radio podcast. And then one time a guy was like, you guys need to stop swearing so much. I'm trying to listen with my kids and you're always swearing. And I, and I told him, I said, hey man, I tell those guys every week, stop swearing, but they don't listen to me. So I totally it, put the blame on you guys. It shocked me when you swore a little bit because you're better than all of us at media stuff. But when you said shit, I was like, oh my, 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 look who's becoming one of us. And someone else texted in and they said, Uramchuk, how do you go? Because I swear a bit on Oilers Nation radio as well, but they're like, how do you go from swearing on the podcast and never swearing on the radio, and it's honestly you're something. A pro. Yeah, yeah like, you're a pro. It's a, it's a switch. It's I've never. It's not even like a thing where I'm like, okay, don't swear. Like I've never had to tell myself don't swear on the air, and it's actually been harder for me to like start swearing on this podcast than it is to like not swear on the radio. Jay swears most of the swears, but he doesn't swear in anger. He swears as a bridge in his sentences. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't find that offensive. I am I am not offended that you're not offended. I would also be in the 4 a.m. mosh pit hot tub on a metal cruise. Oh, that sounds so much fun. All I can I, think about is, man, I want to go to metal cruise. Although, like, yeah, the maybe, idea of being on a cruise ship is scary right now, but, like, still, that would be so much fucking fun. Maybe that's how we solve the uh, our problem for a playoff party. Get a group of, like, 5,000 Oilers fans, get them to quarantine so that we know no one has COVID, and then just shove them on a boat and we'll watch playoff games on a boat for two months. So basically, you'd need to down the North Saskatchewan. Yeah, (laughs) on the riverboat. Um. All right. So now, do I have permission to do my wrap up? (laughs) I suppose. I mean, I felt like we just hit a wall there. It's probably a good time to wrap up. (laughs) Yeah, it probably is. Uh, Big shout out to the folks at Jabba. Big shout out to Chris Seger. Check out the band Striker. We'll be tagging them in all our social media as well. So follow us on Twitter and Instagram at the Real Life Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Jay Bagged Milk Wanye, thanks for giving me an hour and a bit of your time. Thanks, buddy. Have a good day. Episode Thank 193 you. of the Real Life Podcast is over. Great job on making it through the entire hour of the Real Life Podcast. Don't forget to like and subscribe wherever you get your podcast from. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.